Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Vitamin C's with me, your boy, Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Tim Shields. What's popping, Tim? Not much, man. Um, just kind of been hanging out, you know, just trying to take everything in. It's been a little bit fast for me the past couple of days. Um, I know we haven't recorded in a little bit, had some personal sick, stuff dude. going on. I tried yeah. it once. Do you remember the last episode? And I was like, <gasps> I couldn't do it. Do not want. Do not uh, want. I'm back. I'm back to, I'd say about 85, 90% now. Whatever it was completely shook me to my core, man. But uh, I'm back now. So, you know, we're back on, we're back on the usual schedule. And the most importantly, I'm not the only one that's back. Robert Williams is back, which means me and Robert Williams have one thing in common. It's not that I'm super athletic because that's not true, but we're both back, you know? <laughs> I wish I was as athletic as Rob Williams. Dude can jump out the gym. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's looked pretty solid in his return. We saw him get his first start. That was interesting. I know we've got Marcus Smart sideline. It looks like he's gotten upgraded um, for the upcoming game against the Pelicans. I think Robert has been put to questionable. So I think this Leave is him more... Leave him out. Rest the dude. Rest him. He didn't. He done more than enough. Yeah, the playing balls. against the Nets to the, be the honest. The Pelicans don't have uh, Zion's not playing. I don't think Brandon Ingram's playing. Like you know, yeah, sit it out, Rob. I'm cool yeah. with that. Yeah, it's the likewise. Pelicans as well. Like I would have liked them to be at full strength because they've been having a really good season. I like that little core they've got of CJ Zion and Brandon Ingram, um, a big Valanciunas guy. Um, You've but, loved yeah. Jonas. You've loved Valanciunas. I remember you pushing hard when he was with Memphis. Yeah, dude. I'm a big, big Jonas Valanciunas guy. But, you know, that's by the by. That's not what we're here to talk about today. We're not doing a preview of that game. We're not here to talk about that game at all any more than what we already have, to be quite honest. We spent far too long talking about the Pelicans. All 20 seconds of it. <laughs> what we're here to talk about is some trade deadline stuff. You know, trade deadline February 9. So it's officially less than a month away. Officially. It's officially official. There's less than a month until the trade deadline. I'm not sure that the Celtics really need to start tinkering with the rotation. I'm not sure they need to add anything new. But why the hell not? We're going to talk about it anyway because, you know, <laughs> people like this stuff. Free content. Free content. Yeah, I mean, it's low-hanging fruit. Dude. Free real estate. It's low-hanging fruit. <laughs> now, low-hanging fruit, usually poisonous, but we're going to see how it goes anyway. So... Tim, I want to let you, I know you went and done the research. I'm just clicking over to our little Google sheet. Look how professional we are with a Google sheet and stuff. It's all prepped. I'm telling you, dude, we got, we, we put the effort into this one. So I'm going to, before we do that, have you seen that guy on TikTok? He's like, um, he's like a Southern, like Southern guy, like from like Louisiana and that. And he just does loads of like, um, he cooks like massive meals and he's like, I want to get this dude. Uh, let me find him, man. Have you not seen him? No, I don't oh, think I, every if time I, I have, word, it's not against my will or anything. I just I have no idea who this like, is. The word, the, the, the word dude is like really big in my like vocabulary anyway. I use it all the time. What's up, dude? Yeah, man. Yeah, oh, that dude's cool. Yeah, that dude's sick. I use it all the time just in passing. And I've been watching this guy's TikTok videos. And now whenever I say the word dude, I'm just like, I don't say it the same way he does. And his way just sounds so much cooler. So I'm trying to phase myself out of saying dude, because I don't have that Southern accent. Um, you know, I was trying to point it out. I'll find the name of it as well. I'll, I'll go on my phone in a moment and have a all right, all right, all right. But until then, <laughs> let us know what picks they've got, dude. So um, I'm going to go ahead and swear by this. I know I've mentioned it before, but Fanspo. Definitely the best trade machine. They've got everything on there. And that's what I'm using as a Free reference promo. for all this stuff. Great promo. Um, so 
after making some trades, they do not have a 2023 first rounder um, for this upcoming draft. Um, they have three second rounders. Um, one is from Portland. Um, one is going to either be from Houston, Dallas, or Miami. I think that's more of like a protections or conditional thing. Um, and then they have a 2023 second rounder from Orlando. After that, the Celtics will have a 2024 first rounder, 2025 first rounder, 2026, 27. Um, they will not have 2028, but I will get to that in just a sec. Um, and then in 2029, they will have a first rounder and a second rounder, all of those picks being their own. Now, the 2028 um, does not necessarily mean that they don't have it. The one caveat is, is that there is a potential first round pick swap with the San Antonio Spurs, which was part of the deal that brought Derek White to Boston. Perfectly fine. Yeah, every time. I mean, that's fine. And if, the benefit actually is, is if they end up making any kind of deal with San Antonio, not saying they will, and I don't think any of the targets that we mentioned today are on the Spurs last time I checked, but if they were to make a deal with the Spurs, they could potentially work out some kind of change with that 2028 pick. They could make it, you know, an outright pick swap, like no swap. They just get the first rounder, put some protections on it. You know, that's something that they could do. It's one of the benefits of potentially making a deal with San Antonio. However, moving on to trade exceptions. And this is where a lot of stuff matters. Before we do. Oh, geez. What did I miss? His name on on TikTok, if you can see on the camera, I don't know if you can, is Stale Stale Cracker. Stale Cracker. Six million followers, so he, but like um, he just cooks loads of random. Uh, it is what it is, dude. I just wanted to point it out because you know I told everybody to tell them what his name was. That's right, what his fair, name fair. is. I will, okay, I will trade exception. Uh, so for the trade exceptions, free promo, free promo, free promo. So the big thing um, that's coming up, the largest trade exception the Celtics have talked about it before. Six point nine million trade exception um, from trading Juancho Hernan Gomez that expires in a week. So actually, this is a great time to record this because once that expires, um, the largest trade exception that the Celtics will have will be the Dennis Schroeder trade exception, which is about $5.89 million. Now, the rest of the trade exceptions that Boston has, usually the highest one is about $2.1 million, um, just under two point two, And then they've got a couple other ones that are around $1.78, uh, $1.67 roughly. And those are all from the trades of... Uh, PJ Dozier, Bull Bull, uh, Bruno Fernando, and Ennis Freedom. I just so, want to point out here that Bull Bull was having himself a hell of a season. PJ Dozier's just ended up on, I think it's a 10 day with the Kings. So, you know, he's mm. just trying to figure some stuff out. And Bruno Fernando, they love him over in Houston. He's like their energy guy off the bench. So it's good to see that three of these trades, well, two technically, Schroeder actually as well, because he's with the Lakers now. So three of these trades in Bull Bull. Schroeder and Fernando have actually all ended up well for the players as well. I like it when that happens. I mean, I'm not a Schroeder guy personally, but I like it when guys get traded and they actually go somewhere where they can figure it out, right? We saw it as well with Aaron Neesmith. We saw it with Romeo Langford. And for me, I'm just like the optics of that always look good. Because if the Celtics do trade you, they're trading you somewhere where you're going to have an opportunity to actually make an impact and develop as a player rather than just being traded because they don't really care about you. So I just want to point that out because I think that in the grand scheme of things, that also has some weight to it, whether that be between players, with agents, whatever it may be. Uh, I just personally think that's important. 
Yeah, and I think that's a fair point to make when talking about some of these other guys where it's just like they couldn't crack the rotation for the Celtics. So a lot of these guys being able to be moved to situations where they're definitely going to get playing time, uh, it goes a long way. And I think it made some goodwill. I think the only thing that's a downside to it is you hear a lot of fans complain like, well, like, look at this guy. They traded him away and like he went on to have like this stellar career or you know, he's looking he really minutes, good. Dude. Exactly. Yeah, that's always the caveat with it, right? I mean, like the only one the really minutes. in this trade exception list. I mean, her like Juancho, like it doesn't really matter whether he's good or not anymore because you know, he's Bo Cruz. Yeah. His name ain't Juancho anymore, it's Bo Cruz. And then Freedom did what Freedom did. Like, like you know, he went a little bit off the reservation, is what it is. Um, yeah. everybody else, you know, um, they're all having good seasons wherever they are. So it's a big plus for me. But point being is those trade exceptions, all of them will be gone by February 9th, which is in fact the trade deadline. Um, which also is less than a month away. Yes, once again, less than a month away. What's the uh, but the t- the Juancho one's a week away, right? January eighteenth. Yeah. So, so seven if- days from today. If the Celtics are looking to make any kind of move that doesn't require them, you know, moving a player, um, keep in mind, they do have an open roster spot right now. So that goes a long way. But if they were looking to just outright absorb salary and it's roughly around that mark, they've got a week to do it basically without sending out anyone else like moving from Gallinari, which is something that we're going to talk about a little bit today. So roster spots as well. The Celtics have one open roster spot as it currently stands. That is from trading Noah Vonley in a salary dump to the Spurs. Um, he was immediately waived by them. And Noah they also Vonley waived, away. Yeah. And they and they waived Georgie Deng and then they added Deng back. So like that was kind of just like a net move where they were just getting some cash. It basically evened out. Celtics cleared off some non-guaranteed money. And that also ties into the next part because they no longer have any non-guaranteed contracts. That deadline passed on January 10th. Uh, they basically had until Saturday to decide if they were going to move the contracts of Luke Cornett um, or if they were going to move the Justin Jackson contract. Now, both of those deals are guaranteed. Uh, Cornett's deal, however, uh, is the only one that has a second year. So uh, it's 2.13 million cap it now guaranteed 2.4 million next year, but that is non-guaranteed And Justin Jackson's is a one year, 2.13 million deal. Um, and he will be gone after the season's over. Bye bye. Bye bye. I mean, that's pretty likely. Um, and just to throw them in there as well, JD Davison and Fiondo Calvin Um, both of those guys are on two way deals. I know that you're pretty high on Davison and Calvin I wasn't though. Like, yeah, like if you got true. back and like you read the, the scouting report, I did. I thought he had a long way to go to be NBA ready. Um, he's proving me wrong, and that's a good thing. Like, you know, I don't claim to be an expert at this stuff. Like, um, he's proving me wrong, and that's great. And now I want to see him see if he can replicate what did he have 16.16 assists in his last game for Maine? Like, he was like one assist him. shy of a record, I think. Yeah, I think one or two shy. Like, I'd like to see him come. I think it was one shy of tying the record and then one shy and two shy of breaking the record. Yeah. Like, uh, I want to see him get some minutes in the NBA. So I wouldn't mind. And obviously, he can do that as a two way guy. They don't need to open a roster spot for that. But I'm very cognizant of what they did last year for Cornet and for Hauser, where they created some roster space to, towards the trade deadline. 
And then they converted their two-way deals to give them a little bit more flexibility and then be able to plug and play corner in the playoffs if they're needed. But more importantly, they spent most of that year just training with the team constantly, not having to split their time between Maine and Boston after they got checked, their contracts got upgraded. And like you saw, you've seen what it's done for their development. So I wouldn't mind that for J.D. Davison. But to do that, then you're really going to need to move on from someone like Pritchard. And, you know, Pritchard, I, I've had my say about Pritchard on this show a few times where I, I don't think they should move him, but I understand if they do. Um, I, I like J.D. Davison a lot at the moment. I think that he gives you something you don't have from a guard at the moment. He can beat guys off the dribble. He's explosive, um, he's incredibly athletic, can move the rock. Shot's not there yet, I don't think. I, don't th- I think it's going to be very much a... Um, Kind of like um, a Marcus Smart, early Marcus Smart thing where he's going to be really good at one or two things and everything else is going to be like a slow burn development. But look, Smart's a, a reliable shooter at this point. Even like, so at the same time, you always had that elite defense. You had, and then he's developed as a passer. He's developed as a shooter. And um, you always had the hustle, the the winning plays. I think Davison can bring something at the moment, but I'm just not sure that he's ever going to get that path right. I mean, we saw the same with uh, Neesmith. We saw the same with Langford. They could bring something, but the, the path just wasn't there for them. And it might be the same for Davison as well. And I think this is where like the Celtics currently will run into problems with some of these younger players, um, guys that need developmental minutes. Like unless you're just stashing them in the G League and that's kind of where they're sitting, you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place where if they're not able to give you enough to justify like serious rotational minutes, then it, it's really going to be hard for them to develop into what you think they could become. Uh, Davison's an interesting case because I think, you know, he's so athletic, like so explosive and that kind of athleticism isn't necessarily, it's not that it's not commonplace, but it is special still at the NBA level to be that explosive. And I mean, of an you athlete. think of the athletic guards right now, like obviously Jar, but he's, that's like different, yeah, different that's level. a whole other thing. He's yeah. got twitchiness there. He's got like Jar's just a different level of player. Never mind the athleticism. Like he's just a better all around guy, like guard. Um, I'm not saying that JD Davison can ever be anywhere near that. But what I'm saying is that <laughs> the athleticism wish. you take away Jar's athleticism, is he still Jar? Is what yeah, I'm getting. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Um, I think I've seen people kind of say like maybe he could be like a John Wall type guard and I can see that you know just a rim like um, a rip and run guy same as like prime Westbrook I don't think he's got the playmaking ability of Westbrook I mean yeah 16 assists in the G League is great is it still 16 assists if you're getting those minutes in the NBA I don't think so um, maybe you know but like that's the kind of like body type and the kind of athletic type that he brings and this is in the jd davison episode if you if people want that let us know in the comments and we'll pull some clips and we'll go deep and we can we can do that that's not a problem at all um but this isn't that right so we would you okay so now everybody's aware of what picks are available what trade exceptions are available what players have become guaranteed does one open roster spot Let's talk some trades. Let's talk potential ideas. So a couple of these we're going to have spoke about before because Celtics needs very well, well defined. Their available money is very minimal. So you are shopping in a very small player pool of players and names are going to continue to get repeated. You'll see if you search Celtics trade rumors, it's the same five or six guys. We've tried to be a bit creative with one or two of them. 
But even then, their names would have been mentioned at some point between last off season and now. That's just is what it is, right? Um, so we're going to start with somebody that I've pushed before, and I'm going to keep it short because you can always go back and watch that episode. And, you know, I don't want to keep going over the same shit. Um, which is Naz Reed. I like Naz Reed. I think that he's in a really bad position right now behind um, Towns and Gobert. His minutes are down. His production's down. As a result, I think that he would be. Uh, upgrade over Luke Cornett. I think he would be a solid addition to the rotation. And I genuinely believe he can walk through the door and get minutes. You know, I think he, he's yeah. good enough to get minutes straight off the bat. He's going to be a backup. He's been like, he's a backup this year anyway. He's only only 1.9 mil. So when you add the tax into that, you know, you're probably coming closer to six, but it's still like it's money worth spending because you get size, you get hustle, you get speed, a little bit of explosiveness. And he can stretch the floor a little bit so you can keep running that five out system. Now, the thing is like when you're doing that with like Rob, the reason you can still run that five out with Rob is because of his passing, right? Because the guy can pass. He's one of the best passing bigs in the league. So when you've got Rob there, you've still got, a reason to be able to keep him on the perimeter. With with Reed, he can score. So can Cornet, but I think Naz Reed is a better three-point shooter than Cornet. I also think he's a better rim roller than what Cornet is. So he can slip screens a little bit more easily. He can navigate his body through traffic a little bit more. Uh, 1.9 million, I like it. I, I like it a lot. It's hard not to, right? Because of just the cap hit. I mean, I obviously still worry. It's an expiring deal. But again, if his minutes are down, he hasn't exactly had the best opportunity in Minnesota. No idea what like the kind of interest would be in the offseason. It still would worry me a little bit. I don't really want to go ahead and trade for anyone that's got you know free agency coming up because I, I think it really just depends on what that cost is. Like If it's a second rounder or two second rounders, you know, it's entire- like, you know, maybe you can do Justin Jackson plus a second or a future first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I, mean, I like- mean, my outlook on it is I don't care if he walks at the end of the season. If it costs you Justin Jackson and a second round out. You I, can I, eat I, that. You yeah, can take that on the chin. Walk if you need to, dude. My question yeah. is, does he improve your chances in the second half of the season and the postseason? If the answer is yes, then forget what happens in the summer. That's, exactly. that's the summer's problem, right? I'm talking right yeah. now. Like, yeah, yeah, if he improves, then I'm down. And I genuinely believe he improves your your big man rotation. So yeah. for me, you know, 1.9 mil, if you can get Justin Jackson a second round pick, maybe even two seconds. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. Now I don't I'm know whether too, yeah. I don't know whether the Timberwolves would be happy with that deal. You know, but it, but Rudy started to play well now. I think it, I saw a tweet. I think it was Nakias Duncan tweeted out over the last three games. He's averaging twenty points and fifteen rebounds. Uh, he's figuring it out. Carl Anthony Towns is figuring it out. Reed's going probably not going to re-sign there anyway. Why not get a look at another wing and get a couple of second round picks that you could either flip or you can you know you can use on getting some low low cost talent to build around your team later in like moving forward. So yeah, I think it's a deal that could work. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, next one that we have on the list is probably, this is another one that we've talked about. Um, and another guy that has definitely followed out of the good graces on um, with the team that he's with right now. For the second time, right? Like this For the is second the first time. time it's happened to him. On- I, I don't blame him on the second time as much because of the, you know, the situation, but we are talking about Cam Reddish um, who's currently with the Knicks. Um, we talked about it previously before, but I still think it's interesting that the Knicks went out and traded for him, even though Tom Thibodeau has like zero intention of wanting to play him. Like, I mean, they shut him down in December, right? Like he hasn't really yeah. played since December. Which is I, rough. I just think that 
this is a guy that came into the league with huge expectations. What was his 10th overall pick? He was a lottery pick for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, um, played alongside, um, he played alongside Zion at college, came into the league. Everyone thought he was going to be this, like, you know, big time scoring free and D wing. Never worked out for him in Atlanta for whatever reason. You know, I mean, there was a lot of wing depth in front of him there. Moves to New York. Isn't working there either. Now, for me, if you've bottomed out of two teams, then my question is, are you really worth a second round pick? Like, I want some protections on that pick. Like, because, yeah. I, because again, the question is, does he improve what you've already got? And the, and the answer is, we don't know. We don't know. Like, Reddish has been in bad situations, right? New York is a bad situation. I think the talent evaluation on the Knicks front in the Knicks coaching staff is poor. They, they took far too long to move into using um, quickly, more frequently. RJ has been developing slower than what you'd expect. Um, Obi Toppin, another guy that, you, that has more talent than what's being utilized. I just think that their talent evaluation and talent development in New York is quite poor. And I'd say the same for Atlanta as well. I mean, DeAndre Hunter is probably their biggest success story outside of Trey Young. And Trey Young was Trey Young. He was going to hit, didn't matter where he went. So when you take Trey Young out of the equation, they're criminally underutilizing John Collins. He's just in a really bad spot there. I mean, That's it's criminal. One. DeAndre Hunter has developed in spite of injury issues. But where's everybody else they drafted? Because they, they drafted a few. Right? Kevin Hurt is having one of his best seasons ever. And in Sacramento. <laughs> exactly, dude. Look, because they're putting the ball in his hands and trusting him as a playmaker. So Reddish has been in two bad talent evaluation and talent development spots. So my point is, you don't know what he's capable of on a team like Boston where you're just put in positions to be the best version of what you are now. And then we'll worry about what you can be during the summer months. But my my issue is, does he make you better now? And if the, I, I just don't see the answer being yes. It's a wild card, right? Like yeah. we're talking about development and this, this is something we talked about with him before. Like he's a young player who needs minutes to develop and he's been in two not great situations and he's also going to be hitting free agency. Um, he would be a restricted free agent. His qualifying offer would be 8.1 million. And on top of that, keep in mind with qualifying offers, um, there is a cap hold there until he's inked a deal. Um, so that'd be like 17.8. No one's extending that qualifying offer. Exactly. You don't extend it. He becomes unrestricted. You're probably getting him cheaper than 8 million a year as an unrestricted free agent. The reason his qualifying offer is so high is because he was a lottery pick. Exactly. It's not based on talent. It's based about where he was taken in the draft. So it was meant to be based on talent. Yeah. And most likely is based on talent. It's just, like I say, two bad situations. He probably, there is something there. I think he could be an improvement on the wing, but there's also a chance that he, he just bombs. And yeah. then you, you know, you filled that roster spot and you got nothing out of it. At which point, why bother? I yeah. mean, the Celtics aren't in a position right now to need to take on reclamation projects. It's a gamble too. Yeah. You, you know. That's what I mean, right? Like, the magic making a move for him. Um, the jazz that makes a lot teams of teams like that. The Pistons, yeah. any rebuilding team can Reddish make sense, give him room to play through his issues, blah, 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 develop him properly. They make sense. A team that's like, yo, we're, we're contending right now. We're trying to make a move or two moves that take us from being top three teams in the league to top two or unquestionably the most talented, deepest team. Those are the moves you want to make. And Cam Reddish just doesn't feel that for me. 
puts a lot of pressure on him too as a player coming into a new situation. Like you have to live up to those expectations and you know what the team's trying to accomplish. So I know no way. But there is another Knicks player that I like um, and I want your thoughts on it. It's a little bit trickier. You're not going to be able to absorb him straight into a trade exception. You would have to look at cobbling together money. That might mean moving on from Danilo Gallinari, which is a whole can of worms that we're going to be opening up. But Isaiah Hartenstein, He's a $7.8 million cap hit for this season. Um, and he is signed through next year, 2023-24 cap hit of $8.19 million. And he also has a 5% trade bonus. So you have to account for that in terms of your salary cap. But what are your thoughts? I wanted the Celtics to make a run at Hartenstein last mm-hmm. season when he was a free agent, right? Like, um, I'm sure if you scroll, if you just search my Twitter, you'll find me talking about Hartenstein. Um, I'm big on him. I, I think he's another example of the Knicks having poor talent development and talent recognition. In ter- not so much in not making him better, but in terms of realizing, hey, the way we play and the way Hartenstein plays, it don't work. There's there's no fit there. If you look at how he played for the Clippers last season, he was he was a high level backup big man, um, good passer, good rebounder, could finish a good footwork. Now he's in New York. Those numbers are kind of dropped. The impact levels drop significantly as well. It's just not really a great fit for him and for the Knicks. I've done a fanspo trade and I was like, hey, I don't want to give them Peyton Pritchard because I think Pritchard deserves a bit more. Um, no no offense to the Knicks. Like I've got Knicks fans. <laughs> I've, got, I've got fans that are friends yeah. that are Knicks yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, because of that, I hear all the horror stories as well. So, you know, I was looking at like Danilo Gallinari, a second round pick just to kind of sweeten the deal and Justin Jackson. And I feel like everyone's going to be like, oh, it's an overpay. Well, Gallinari's not going to play this year. Justin Jackson's not getting minutes anyway. You bring in Hartenstein, you open up an extra roster spot where you can kind of have a little bit more wiggle room in free agency and buyout, buyout market with mm-hmm. your disabled player exception. The Knicks are more likely to reject that than Boston are not to offer it because I think that makes sense, right? Like you've got you've moved on from Vanley. You know, if you want to give them a big man, then maybe you go Luke Corner instead of uh Justin Jackson. So then you're keeping a bit more balance on your roster and you don't have that additional big. Luke Cornett's got history with the Knicks anyway. So I think I think he played for their G League team, if I remember the Westchester Knicks. Um I think he was drafted by the Knicks, actually, weren't he, Cornet? I think so. Yes, Cornet. Cornet was. Cornet was drafted by the. He Knicks. was drafted by the Knicks. So I'm bibbing. I was rude of them while I'm <laughs> talking on my show. Um, yes, yeah, so I think that makes more sense. Gallo, Cornet, and a second, or maybe two seconds. I, because I think that out of the three names we've mentioned right now, I have Hartenstein as a more impactful big man than I have Nasrid when yeah. he's playing in a good system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't hold Reddish in high regard at the moment for the Celtics, not in terms of him as a player, just for fit. Um, so Hartenstein for me is uh, I'd make that deal ten times out of ten, and you don't have to worry about free agency at the end of the year like you would with Nas. Yeah, and I think that you know it clears up the issue of trying to have to hunt for another rotational big in the off season. Yeah, uh, and you don't have to worry about the injury cover for Gallinari. Again, you know we've seen plenty of highlights of him now, like getting back on the floor. He's getting shots up. You know he's clearly working on his rehab. And a lot of people are excited about that, but I still don't know how much faith I can put in Gallinari coming back. And what were we expecting of him anyway? Like, no, like, rotational, rotational, sharp shoot, but he can't defend. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you go, he he can at this point in his career before the knee injury, like, he was a net negative on defense and everybody knew it. 
So yeah. you're coming back off this injury, you're going to be even less mobile. You're just you're basically basically a stationary shooter at this point. You're a, a high level stationary shooter, but That's stationary. Regardless. I don't see what value you hold in the postseason. Really, Hauser can do what you can do. Grant Williams can do what you can do, but both of them are far more mobile. You don't need the big that can shoot anymore, really, because Hauser's kind of filling that role a little bit. Going with Hartenstein and moving on from Gallo, yeah, the optics aren't great, and I've spoke at length about that. But this is one of the only deals where I'm like, yeah, I I like this for Boston. If they were going to do this deal, I'd feel very, very comfortable. Yeah. The one thing I will say, you mentioned the disabled player exception, which I, one, neglected to include on here. But two, if they were to use it... We're talking of trades, so it's okay. Well, the the DPE, they're going to have to go ahead and use before they would do that deal. Because once you go ahead and you move Gallinari, you do lose that disabled player. Exception. I'd lose it then. Lose it. I don't care. You could, well, you got the roster spot open. That's the only thing too, is like yeah, if you well, wanted to. If, there, if you think JD Davison. Um, That's fair too. Moving on though. Um, I think we're both reading <laughs> Martinstein. <laughs> He's my number um, one prospect so far. Here's another one that I like because I think they could use um, another player who could play out um, the two or three spot. Javante Green. Now, familiar friend, obviously, uh, really, really close to Jason Tatum. Savage Wu. Yes. 1.81 million cap hit. He is an expiring deal. And another little wrinkle is he just went under atheroscopic knee surgery. He's going to miss roughly two weeks. Um, So he'll probably miss about the rest of this month, just about um, leading into the trade deadline. The cost is really, really low. You could probably get him for a second rounder. I know that... Yeah, it would make Tatum happy. He's familiar. You know what he can do in transition, and that's a good thing. You and he's improved a bit defensively as well. Mm-hmm. And that three ball's gotten a little bit better too. I think just off the optics, I'd have to look at the and numbers. And a savage woo. Yeah, savage like, woo. I'm down. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm we don't need to spend vibes. too much time. Yeah, yeah we don't need to spend too much talking on. Yeah, uh, exactly. I also think that he left Boston and actually carved out a role for himself on a fairly deep team. I mean, I wouldn't say deep, deep. Like they were deep one through seven. And mm-hmm. Green was kind of the eighth guy, um, but he, he's been impactful. He, he's he's held a, held his own in a a significantly larger role than what we saw him playing in Boston. If he came back, he'd have to kind of re- resume the role he had before, where it was spot minutes, bit of impact. Hey, we need some above the rim play from a wing. Probably not great for him, but at the same time. You're on a contending team. One of your best friends is on the team with you. You know, them. those two guys speak about each other all the time. I'd be fine with you. I'm down for the vibes. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm game. And there's another Bulls player that I do like. It's another wing, and that would be Derek Jones Jr. Uh, $3.2 million cap hit uh, for this season. And then next year, it'll be a 2023-24 player option of about 3.36. So... You don't have entire control there. The player does have to opt in depending on how things would go. He probably would opt in or he might, you know, if he thinks that he can get a bigger contract in free agency, I'm not entirely sure about that. He could opt out and try and sign a bigger deal either with the Celtics or elsewhere. But Derek Jones, I think fits a lot of needs that the team would want. Having another backup wing would be good. He's pretty explosive as an athlete, does a little bit of everything. What are your thoughts? I like Derek Jones. I think I put him directly underneath Hartenstein at number two on my list of, hey, I'd like this. I think that <laughs> you've got the team option, so you're going to keep him. 
No, you're not going to trade for him. Player just... option. So he could make the decision. So I looked at the Sadiq, Sadiq Bay one. <laughs> oh, good. We... Well, that's the next one. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I like gave it one. away. Um, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you got the player option. I can't see. I, I, he, he, he most likely, you know, if you make a deep run, go to the the conference finals or the finals, he's probably going to be like, yeah, I'll take one year of less money compared to what I could get on the market to have another year of contending. Or at least that's what you'd hope. I think that, in terms of impact, in terms of value, he brings a ton. He definitely upgrades your wing rotation. He definitely helps fit into that defense. He can do a lot. I would be okay with that trade, like depending on who you give up, right? It's 3.2 million cap hits. So you could do like a, a Justin Jackson and Peyton Pritchard with a pick. You know, and that could probably sweeten the deal. And one of the things that Chicago have really struggled with is needing a backup ball handler. They tried it with um, Goran Dragic, hasn't really worked. He's shown his age now. Um, Kobe White just hasn't been the sixth man that they hoped he'd become when they drafted him. Lonzo Ball's never healthy. So giving them somebody like Pritchard that can push the pace, shoot the free, take a little bit of pressure off other guys, can play the two guard as well. Well, we saw that under Brad Stevens in his first year playing shooting guard position as an off-ball scorer. Um, so he can play alongside Kobe White. He can play alongside Lonzo Ball when needed if you need that floor spacing. I think Pritchard actually makes a lot of sense for the balls if they decide to hit the reset button. Um, and then Justin Jackson's just to make the money work. So yeah, I'd be down. Yeah. And I mean, he also would fit into the trade exceptions. So that's the good news too. Yeah. If you didn't want to. But I figure for Chicago especially, like if you were looking to move on from Pritchard, it'd make a lot of sense. Um, you give him a sharp shooting young guy who definitely could use some minutes to develop. They could be looking at a potential retooling and rebuild. We don't really know yet um, because Chicago's kind of... It was a bad bunch of roster moves at the beginning anyway. Like it yeah. Wasn't- I don't. I still don't like the. That's Chicago's um, problem, though. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't like it's the not my deal, but I mean, I wouldn't have made those moves. No, I think those are two guys though that you could target with Chicago between Javante and Derek Jones Jr. Like those are two guys that you could consider um, making a deal for. Now, our last two options. One I of gave which this one away is Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay. Um, two point nine six million cap hit. Uh, former ghost of Celtics draft. Day past, I guess you could say a lot That's of green people, hair, green stripes in his hair already. Start, it's a start, right? Um, he's got a 2023 24 team option of 4.56 million. Um, and has really fallen out of the rotation for Detroit, which I don't, I know he's having a little bit of a down here, but I don't get it. Like, I don't get the, I don't get the drop off that much, and I don't understand why. They're so eager to move on from him. So, I'm gonna be dead honest here. I haven't seen enough of Sadiq Bay, like, I haven't watched enough of him to be like, hey, he sucks here, he's good here, he's bad here. I've seen the stats. Uh, I know he can shoot the three. Um, I'm not sure what his defense is like. I'd be lying if I said I did. Um, because of that, I'll say yeah, but I know it's the first round draft picks kind of the asking price. And I'm just like, hmm, would he get minutes? And I don't know how impactful he'd be because I just haven't watched him enough. So I'm going to have him. So far, I've got Isaiah Hartenstein, one. Derek Jones Jr. to three, Naz Reed four. Then I'm going to have Sadiq Bay, then Javante Green, then Cam Reddish. Okay. I don't hate that. I mean, that makes sense. I think the one thing I would say is his three ball has gone down pretty significantly. Um, this season, he's down to 31.8% from three. On his career, he's a 35.4% shooter. And even that's not brilliant. 
Yeah, and I mean, like that's not. I'd have to look at like oh one oh two and see if that um that career shooting percentage from three factors in this year's struggles. But on a team that he should be getting a good amount of playing time on and like getting development, he's not getting them. So I don't know what exactly is going on there. If it's just a matter of similar to you know guys like Cam Reddish, like is it just a, a change of situation that's needed? I don't know if I would toss up a first rounder for Sadiq Bay. I don't know what that interest is going to be. I think that's too much. I mean, like again, it's not like he's he's not the same level of like Cam Reddish concern where it's like I have no idea what this guy's going to be because you've seen Sadiq Bay torch the Celtics from three. You know what he can do if you put him in the right situation. It's just a matter of whether or not, you know, that's still there. Like what's causing this fall off in his game so far this season? Is it just the Pistons being terrible as they tank for Wemby? Like, is that really what it is? Be better than that because of the amount of minutes and like usages getting in touches. I don't know. Some players just have bad years. Grant Williams had one, two years ago. You know, it happens. Exactly. Um, so it is what it is. Like he could have worked on something in the off season and it's just completely screwed up his mechanics and then needs to go and tweak it Oof. next summer. Uh, it happens all the time. Ken no, Birch. Yeah. Ken Birch. I was going to say is our last I like one. Ken Birch, Ken Birch I makes a lot of sense. Throwback big can defend, can rebound, can score in the post. Um, not how you use this guy. Pretty much a career backup dude. Um, I'd be very comfortable if Ken Birch was the guy coming off the bench. Now, I don't know how you lean into a five-out offense with Ken Birch there. That's kind of my only question. But in terms of like value, impact, being able to actually earn minutes and improve the big man rotation, I've got Birch directly underneath Hartenstein and above Naz Reed. Uh, and the reason I've got him above Naz Reed it's because he's contracted for next year and Nasri isn't. That's literally the only reason. And I'm kind of contradicting myself because I'm like, you make moves for now and not next summer. But it's also, does Nasri go hero mode sometimes because he wants to earn more money next year? You have to take that into account. Um, is his mind going to be fully focused on making a run for the championship this year or is part of it going to be balling out and getting numbers at which point it's to the detriment of the team? Ken Birch won't have those issues. He's also a lot older. So he's kind of just like, yo, give me the ring. You know what I'm saying? That's so I, I like Ken Birch. He, he does he fit in? I don't think he fits in the TPE. Does he? He does. Six point six seven fits into that. Yeah, Toronto are a dumpster fire right now. Um, yeah, I don't know what you'd need to give them. I don't even know if they'd just be willing to give him up to create a TPE of their own for their inevitable teardown. Yeah, as possible. But Toronto looked like a team you should really be hammering on to see how 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 comfortable they are not being sellers right now. You know what I mean? I want to really mm-hmm. test that resolve. Uh, Ken Birch for me is a great pickup. Yeah. And I think in terms of like what it could potentially be in terms of financial impact, it's, you know, you do have to consider the tax there. Um, he would, he would fit into that TPE. Um, he'd be one of the more expensive options. Um, on our list today, that's going to only be second under Isaiah Hartenstein. So you have to consider Isaiah that. Hartenstein's worth it. But yeah, and I think Ken Birch to a degree would be worth it. It's like L'Oreal, dude. Worth it. (laughs) That was a good joke. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Um, With Ken Birch, I think it's a good fit um, in terms of what you need. You need another rotational big that's going to be an upgrade over Luke Cornett. In terms of the cap hit, it's a little bit more than you'd hope for. Um, But he is, again, going to fit into that role pretty well. It's a role that he's been filling for a little while now as a rotational big coming off the bench. So... I don't hate it. 
And I think that the asking price will probably be really, really low, especially as Toronto does really go full tilt towards the rebuild. I mean, they're asking some astronomically high prices, but you know they are taking or listening to offers on guys like Pascal Siakam, uh, OG Onanobi, and Gary Trent Jr. as well. But all He's three super of those expensive. Guys, all three of those guys are really expensive. But I was surprised at how big Gary Trent Jr.'s contract I'm a was. Big Gary Trent Jr. guy like as well. Seven, 17.2 or 17.3 million dollars too much for what Boston can pay far too rich far too rich but I wish I was that rich yeah we all do don't we (laughs) I hope so otherwise what are we doing here all right and with that being said we've kept these people for pretty much 40 minutes if they've made it to the end I applaud you if you didn't how dare you and we'll be back on Friday and we actually will be back promise on Friday pinky swear Pinky swear. Tim, say bye. Cheers. Ah.